Welcome to the Berkhamsted Spotlight, Berkhamsted School's podcast channel. Join our weekly guests from inside the classroom to behind the scenes of our day-to-day activities through to life beyond Berkhamsted School. Find out what it's really like to be part of our remarkable community. Remarkable community indeed. In this episode of the Berkhamsted Spotlight, we're talking French, Spanish, Mandarin, maybe Italian and Japanese. Well, we're talking languages. Dr. Nick Startin talks to us about the importance of learning languages in 2021, how French people view British people when people from the UK try to speak French, even at a basic level, why Spanish and Mandarin are important today and what parents can do to encourage their children. And we hear what Nick's remarkable moment has been at Berkhamsted. And as always, I ask him what he's changed his mind about in the last two years. So come with me now as we talk languages with Dr. Nick Startin. Nick, welcome to this episode of the school's podcast. Thank you for being here. And how are you today? I'm fine, Simon. Uh, Thanks for inviting me onto this uh, podcast. I'm uh, really excited to be here and to talk about modern languages and their importance in the in the curriculum and their importance for young people and what we're doing here at Berkhamsted School to try and, uh, you know, promote languages and to get as many of our students interested in languages. Perfect. All right. Now, tell me a little bit about your own education, would you? Because we're going to be finding out more about languages at Berkhamsted, but I'd love to know a bit about where you went to school and what your own experience of school life was like as well. Yeah, so I went to school in Hereford, which is on the Welsh border. Uh, I'm a Londoner by origin, but my parents moved down to the West Country when I was two. So I was brought up in Hereford and they were great Francophiles, actually. And so we ended up going to France quite a lot when I was a boy. And I I vividly remember at the age of five, I think, the very first time I went to France. And we're talking, showing my age here a little bit, Simon, we're talking 1970s. And I can remember those yellow headlamps that they used to oh, be in yeah. France. Yeah. And it kind of captured my imagination, I think, because I thought this is really different mm. to what you normally get when I was a boy in England, you know. So, um, yeah, I vividly remember that, getting off the ferry for the very first time. My mum and dad's car, they were driving out, I think it was Dieppe in Normandy, and mm-hmm. seeing all these yellow headlamps. And that's something that stayed with me. I don't know whether that's kind of made me curious about different cultures, but it was something that really... Uh, I remember as, as, a, as a kid. But I went to school at uh, Hereford Cathedral School, actually, which was a, uh, a nice school in Hereford. And I did French A-level. Mm-hmm. And then my studies, I, I did languages and European studies. I followed that up with a master's, which I did at Birmingham. I then did a PGCE, a teacher training in French at Warwick. And after a few years in teaching, I then did a PhD, actually, which was okay. in French politics, and decided to go into academia. And I was uh, lecturing for... 20 years and then I've come back into secondary teaching relatively recently one of the main reasons was I was getting a bit disillusioned with a long distance commute but that's uh, mm. that's probably for a different a different mm-hmm. story but uh, mm. I've always been inspired by people who learn and understand languages and I you know I'm somebody who's spent a lot of time in Europe I lived in France for three years after I graduated mm-hmm. and uh, I've always had this kind of passion for France and I've always had this passion that I think you know as English people we need to speak other people's languages we can't mm. just assume that we can get by in the kind of English being the lingua franca and the language of globalization so mm. yeah I'm all about as many people doing languages as possible I think it's a fantastic thing and it really unlocks doors it opens up avenues that that you wouldn't normally be able to embrace you know so I think 
uh, that's something we try and emphasize to our students, you know, mm-hmm. how important having another language is and learning about other cultures if you really want to understand the world. And of course, you know, you meet people you would otherwise wouldn't meet if you mm. if you're able to articulate in another language. OK, well, let's ask the obvious question then. Are we still really bad at learning other languages here in the UK? Well, in all honesty, Simon, I have to give you a straight answer and say, yes, we are not particularly good as a nation at learning languages. We have, I think, the lowest level of fluency in a foreign language of any of the European Union nation states when you look at all the survey data. So I think that we would have to conclude that, no, we're not great at learning languages in the UK. We don't have too many graduates of modern languages up and down the United Kingdom compared to other nations in the European Union. That said, here at Berkhamsted, I think we're, we're trying to change that mould a little bit and get more students trying to learn a language and trying to show them the employability value as well of learning a language you know Mm. being fluent in French and Spanish or Mandarin as an English native speaker Mm -hmm. is really a very attractive thing to put on your curriculum vitae. Mm. So Nick tell me why you think languages are a really important thing for people to be learning today here in 2021. I think the danger of not learning a modern language as a young student of what ever nationality is that you're kind of shutting yourself off from the wider global world if you like i think you know by learning a language you're learning about other cultures you're going to meet people that you wouldn't have met otherwise if you take that language to the next level Mm -hmm. if you just rely on english you know i think it can backfire on you whether you're on holiday whether you're working in commercial sector it's really important i think to have language skills beyond your own. And also, you know, languages are great fun to learn. I think Mm. one of the things that we we try to emphasise here at Berkhamsted is actually that learning a language can be be great fun. It's, It's not like other subjects. It is about communication. And if you like communicating... Um, if you like being a performer, if you like being theatrical, then really learning a modern language is something that ought to be something that's very natural uh, and something that you would really, really enjoy. Mm. And so we, we, we're pushing our students to, to look at languages, not just from the, the kind of vocational, the cultural perspective, but also the fact that, you know, speaking, reading, understanding, learning a language, putting that into practice, traveling, uh, using it abroad is something that is really quite unique, quite fun there isn't really another subject in the curriculum Mm. where you can get that instant usage of the of what you've learned if you go abroad so I've got to ask you this question as someone who has lived in France and uh, lived in a country with other people who are who are French what do the French people think about uh, or how do the French people think about British people when we've chosen not to learn to speak French and just sort of in a quite a lazy way, we're just relying on the French people to speak our language. How do the French people view us in that situation? I mean, every French person I've I've met, I think, always appreciates, and it's probably easy for me to say this as somebody who speaks the language relatively fluently, but I think every French person I've met always says to me how much they appreciate it when somebody tries to communicate in their language, even mm. if they're doing it in a, you know, in a very basic and a uh, not a very fluent way and with grammatical errors. Uh, I think most French people appreciate and mm. most uh, Europeans that I've met appreciate you trying to communicate 
in their language. And I think it shows a bit of respect. And, and you know, if you make some mistakes, they may come back to you in English because they speak perhaps better English than you do French or Spanish or German. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't necessarily take that as an insult. I would say, in a way, that's you've tried, you've had a go. And from there, the conversation develops either in, in English or, or the language that you're trying to speak. But definitely this notion that you're just going to turn up and say, speak from the get-go in English and try and get by completely in your own native tongue is mm. not a very positive message, I think, to, to send out. And mm. I do think that people really appreciate it when you try and communicate in their native tongue, however poor you may be at it. You can only get better at a language by practicing it, mm. you know, mm. and you're going to make mistakes. No linguist is going to become anywhere near competent in a foreign language unless they're prepared to make errors. That's mm. how you learn. Mm. You're corrected for your pronunciation, for your grammatical errors, you know, for your misunderstanding of vocabulary. The only way you're going to get better is to be told that, you know, that's what you didn't do right and, and you move on and you, and you get better. And it's like, it's a bit like maths, I think. It's a bit like building blocks. You mm. can only learn languages if you're prepared to kind of build on those blocks. And, you know, not every lesson is necessarily completely straightforward, but there'll be lessons that are. And I think one of the things we also try to emphasize to our students is there are the four different skill areas, you know, speaking, listening, reading and writing and not to get too fixated on the writing. You know, oh, I'm not very good at writing French. Well, actually, on a GCSE, that's only 25 percent of the exam. Oh, okay. 25 percent is about how you speak. 25% is how you understand written text and 25% is how you understand spoken text. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's only, you know, the writing dimension of learning a modern language is not the be all and end all. Now, Nick, some of the people listening to this podcast episode right now, when they were at school, and I'm thinking of when I was at school as well, possibly the only options for learning a language might have been like French or German and pretty much not a lot else outside of those two. How has this changed in 21st century education? Well, it's interesting. There are more and more schools now that are trying to diversify the number of languages that they offer. Mm -hmm. um, for instance, here at Berkhamsted, we offer our year sevens a choice of two from four, French, Spanish, Mandarin and Latin, which admittedly is in our classics department, not in the languages department. Mm -hmm. In an ideal world, I'd be I'd be looking to increase that number and mm. possibly to introduce other languages like Italian or Japanese um, to add to that portfolio that we already have at the moment. I think one thing I've discovered over recent years is that actually, you know, those departments, whether it be in schools or universities or FE colleges, those departments of languages that have a narrow language base, you know, i.e. they may only offer French or German, are a little bit behind the time. And actually things have moved on a little bit. Here, I think we're we're pretty keen that we pretty proud that we've now got Mandarin firmly installed on the curriculum. Um, this is the first year that we've had both year 12 and year 13 so our a level is now playing out for the first time in mandarin and that's quite an exciting prospect mm. and we still get you know good numbers and good interest in uh, in french and spanish uh, and more traditional european languages mm. okay so european languages i'm sure that everyone listening to this can fully get their head around that uh, around those uh, mandarin tell me why that's such an important one today 
Well, I don't speak Mandarin, so I can't tell you um, what it's like to learn Mandarin. Obviously, this is a language that's got different characters, so it's it's going to be much more challenging, perhaps, than, than traditional European languages on some levels. Um, but what we find with our Mandarin cohorts here is once they start to learn Mandarin, they get very enthusiastic about it. And we had a very, very high percentage turnover rate from GCSE students who wanted to learn at A-level, which was really exciting for our first cohort, which was last year, I think what the students see is that, you know, China is becoming a much more important actor on the global stage. And they see, I think, that this is perhaps a language that is well worth learning for the future. You know, we can't deny the fact that China is taking a much bigger part in the global economy and there will be much need for native English speakers that that are fluent in Mandarin. So um, I think Mandarin will continue to grow as a language. I I think it is a challenge for students to learn, but we have significant numbers of students here at Berkhamsted who want to face those challenges. And we have a very dynamic duo that teach Mandarin to our uh, students across the school between year seven and year 13. And actually at Berkhamsted Prep School as well, we've started to, to set up a kind of uh, club where students can learn a, bit, a little bit of Mandarin before they come into the senior school in year seven. Wow, gosh. So what age are they then? So that in year seven, they're coming in at about age 11, mm-hmm. um, but we're getting to them in, in sort of year six and year five and, you know, going through some very basics of Mandarin when they're sort of uh, age nine and 10. And I think, you know, the younger that students are when they first start to learn a language, I think the better they are at retaining it. You know, myself now, I know I'm in my mid-50s and every time I contemplate trying to learn a new language... It's quite a challenge, I think, when you get to my age. I think, you know, languages, the earlier they're learnt, the easier they are to to understand and to embrace and to make more rapid progress at, I think. Mm-hmm. So I'm all about getting students to learn, you know, as many languages as possible at a young age. Now, the other possible one that you mentioned about young people learning was Japanese, albeit one that's not being taught at, at Berkhamsted right now. But, I mean, is, is Japanese another one which in the future could start to be incorporated by the school. I'm thinking that it clearly as a country, as a population, it's not as big as China. Um, as an economy, it's not as big as China. But do you see that changing? Do you see that that, that they that they are uh, an emerging uh, culture when it comes to the economy as well? Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, we have a we do have a member of staff that speaks um, some Japanese, and I think uh, it's something that I think we will be considering over the next few years. Is you know, could we incorporate Japanese into the Berkhamsted curriculum? I think it's a language that, certainly in economic terms, is going to have quite a powerful message for those students that learn it. I also think culturally, there's quite a lot of interest in in Japan. You know, I know quite a lot of our, our younger students are sort of interested in all the kind of anime stuff that comes out of Japan. And I think there would be quite a lot of enthusiasm for learning Japanese. And, you know, I think it would sit nicely as part of a kind of languages portfolio next to to Mandarin and the European languages that we offer. Now, you mentioned as well about children uh, at a young age learning different languages. Um, what can parents be doing before their children get to the, uh, the the right year group for learning a different language in school? What can parents be doing to encourage children at home to be exploring different aspects of languages? 
Yeah, I think if they can help them, um, particularly if they've started to learn the, a particular language, if they can give them some assistance, obviously if they speak a bit of the language, that's going to be a lot easier. Something else that uh, you know we try to to point out is that there's a you know a rising number of kind of foreign language TV opportunities, whether it's kind of series for older students like. Um, you know, detective style series, that kind of stuff, whether it be in French, Spanish or, or, or other languages. Uh, but there are plenty of possibilities, I think. Music is something else as well. I think we are beginning to move into a world where people are starting to listen to music in languages that are not just English. For instance, the winners of the Eurovision Song Contest, the Italian winners, Manaskin, who uh, are singing some of their songs in Italian and some of their songs in English. And that album that they've just released has become a real global hit and I know that some of the students in the school are, are interested in that in that group so I think music's an opportunity I think TV gives an opportunity obviously traveling to these countries is a huge opportunity if parents mm. uh, you know are able to to organize family visits there as well and I would encourage parents um, to get involved themselves with trying to learn mm. um, a language one thing I think we're trying to do this year, because it's been a bit quiet after the COVID experience, is to try and maybe introduce some taster sessions for our parents where maybe they can just do a lesson of a language that they've never learnt with one of our teachers, be it French, Spanish, more likely Mandarin, perhaps Japanese, perhaps Italian, because we have a new colleague here who, who does speak Italian as well. So just giving them an idea of what it's like to learn a language just for a couple of slots, just to sort of, uh, you know, give parents a chance to think about the kind of things that their sons and daughters are going through when they're in the classroom and starting up a language for the first time. Hmm. Nick, if you could learn any language yourself overnight, you mentioned about being in your mid-50s and it's a little bit harder, but let's imagine that you had some kind of plug-in language that you could learn it tonight and, and be that instantly would be good, fluent. Yeah, which would you choose, would you say? That is a really, really good question. My background has been very kind of European-focused uh, and I, I I speak French only, actually. My, my other subject at school and university was was politics and things kind of European related to that. And I can sort of, you know, speak a few words of German and I'm trying to learn a little bit of Italian. But if I could perhaps unlock one language, I think I'd be really interested in learning Arabic. I oh. think it is something that would allow me to understand a lot of things that are happening in the globe where I'm seeing, you know, portrayals of what's what's going on without knowing what the you know the language is involved as a result of that so yeah i think arabic would be a really interesting language to learn i'd also mm. be interested in learning chinese but yeah i probably would move beyond the european languages because i've spent a lot of time thinking about europe thinking mm. about european languages traveling in european capitals i'd probably try and go a bit further i think arabic or chinese would be would be the language what about you simon what would be the one that would 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 you know if you could overnight learn a language what would, what would be the one that you would be really fascinated to learn about oh that's a really good question i think i probably would go either mandarin or japanese i, I was kind of half tempted to say french because even though i do speak a bit of french uh, i don't speak it fluently and i would love to speak it fluently um but but if i say french it feels like that's a slightly boring answer so i'd probably say either mandarin or japanese i don't think french is a boring answer i mean i i i i've I think this summer was the first year in many, many years because of COVID that I haven't been across to France. And, uh, 
you know, I really missed it because I, I really enjoy the interaction of speaking in France, you know, mm. speaking fluent French. So many different opportunities, whether it's in restaurants or just talking to people. You know, it, it's, it's, it's a fantastic country. And no, I don't think that was a boring answer. I think that was a, that was a good answer. Think, <laughs> okay. Um, and we're, we're 20 miles away. You know, I mean, the, the great thing about France, as I say to the students, you know, I said this to them, I think, last Friday. You know, you could get yourself on the train from Berkhamsted to Euston on a Friday after school, walk down the uh, 300 or 400 metres to St Pancras, jump on a Eurostar and be in Paris that Friday evening by about mm. 9 or 10 o'clock French time, which is which is quite incredible, isn't it, really, without actually mm. getting uh, going to an airport and getting on, a, on an aeroplane. Mm. It sounds like you've done that route and you've walked down that little bit of road between those two stations in the past. I have, I have indeed, and and not just to get to Paris, really, to get to Lille as well, which is a mm. bit closer, actually, seventy five mm. minutes from, which is a city that I I used to live in, which I really like, on the kind of Belgian, um, French border, the capital of of northern France. Mm. Yeah. Nick, just two last questions before we bring this to a close. Two questions we like to ask everyone who comes on this podcast. What's been your remarkable moment at Berkhamsted? That's a good question. I mean, I came back into secondary teaching after a long time in higher education teaching in universities um, and I had taught in secondary schools before but I think my my remarkable moment I think is just I think seeing a couple of my sets uh, at the end of last year after what had been quite a turbulent year mm. with COVID, some of it being taught, you know, in the classroom, some of it being taught uh, virtually on the internet, just to get at the end of the academic year, some, you know, really good kind of discussion going with the students about what they'd achieved, how they felt it had gone, and everything feeling, you know, really, really positive. And I think on the background you know, with the background of COVID and all the things that we'd been through as educators and all the things that the students had been through, it was just nice to end that year on a high uh, with a couple of my groups really, really sort of enthusiastic about what they'd learned and, you know, what they were going to do with their languages moving forward. That's a good answer. Thank you for that. It's not really a single moment, but it was just, it was just, it was just like the culmination of a year. That's a good answer. Thank you for that. And the second question we like to ask everybody, what have you changed your mind about over the last couple of years? What have I changed my mind about over the last couple of years? That's, that is a good question. I think, I think I'm, a, I'm a bit of an idealist and I think I would like every single student to be competent at a modern language mm-hmm. or even two modern languages. Of course. But the reality is, you know, not every student is, takes to modern languages mm-hmm. and I can't expect, you know, 100% of students to be enthusiastic about modern languages. So I've I, I become a bit more realistic about that, I think, um, that, you know, there might be some students who who don't engage with it for for whatever reason. And I think, you know, I've become a bit more of a realist when it comes to that kind of argument about whether you know every single student should be a good linguist or not that said I will carry on doing everything I can Hmm. to make as many students at Berkhamsted enthusiastic about modern languages and we've got a great team here actually a great team of staff delivering our programs and you know we're, we're working our best to to 
to not let people think that, you know, English is the language of globalization and we don't need to learn modern languages. Mm. We're doing our best to, to make sure that we fly the flag for the UK and uh, demonstrate the importance of modern language learning. And I imagine that if a student isn't so enthusiastic about modern languages, it's possibly because they're more enthusiastic about something else in school life. Yeah, that's yeah, exactly. It's not because they're not enthusiastic about school generally. You know, I've I, I, I've taught students who haven't ended up, you know, doing French at GCSE, who I see around the school, who talk to me in French. But, you know, they, they chose another subject for whatever reason. And, you know, that, that's a positive thing. You know, we can't we can't expect that all students want to learn our subjects all of the time, can we? Mm. Nick, we need to bring this to a close. But if anyone's listening to this and they wanted to get in touch with any questions following anything you've you've said that they've heard, uh, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Well, the easiest thing to do would be to email me at my Google email address, which is it's N starting S T A R T I N at Berkhamsted.com. And I would be happy to answer any questions that anybody's got about, uh, you know, model languages generally and what we're offering at Berkhamsted in terms of our modern language provision. And of course, I'd be open to any kind of emails or questions or ideas that mm-hmm. parents might have about what we could do to enhance language learning at Berkhamsted, because, you know, it's an ever evolving thing that we're trying to, to do here. Mm. Awesome. Well, look, Nick, thank you for being here. Thank you for talking on this podcast episode and opening up the world of modern languages at Berkhamsted. Thank you for your time. Thanks very much, Simon. So that was Dr. Nick Startin talking languages at Berkhamsted. Thank you, Nick, for coming on to this episode of the podcast. Now, if you have any questions at all, then do drop him an email. He's nstartin at berkhamsted.com and he'll be happy to help you. But in the meantime, thank you for listening to this episode. Don't forget to follow or subscribe so you get future notifications. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Bye for now.